Hey there, I'm Jamin Baxter, and I serve Moody Radio as the Director of Business Development. Our team's job is to find businesses that love Moody Radio and Jesus Christ and want to support the work we do financially just like you. Today, I'd like to introduce you to United Faith Mortgage. Simply put, they are a faith-focused mortgage team serving clients across the United States. They've put together a team with Christian values with faith and family at the core. They know that this is arguably the most important purchase of your life. Check out the top five things you should know about United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. Thanks to you and United Faith Mortgage for supporting Moody Radio. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. This is Ed Stetzer Live, and we are indeed live, carrying on these conversations each and every week at this time. I'm actually in Eastern Time. I'm live from Erie, Pennsylvania, which is paradise to me and to Donna. Donna and I served here for, we we started a church here. I served as pastor here for about five years, and uh, back in town preaching this weekend at Grace Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm trying to, yeah, we have the the uh, Moody Radio Cleveland is going to be so people will hear in Fairview. I'm here with the pastor. We're looking at each other, making strange faces. So Fairview and Gerard. I don't know how far it goes. Do you, do you does it go all the way into Mill Creek? I think it does on a clear day. Yeah. So if you listen to Moody Radio and you don't have a local church, come on, come on to Grace Church. Erie this weekend in McCain, McCain. I think you got campuses all over the place. I don't even know. So anyway, I'm sitting here with Derek Sanford, the pastor. We just did a podcast, so we're still together making faces at each other. He doesn't have a microphone, so everything's communicated by facial expression right now. But he is not my guest right now because we have a guest already scheduled, and it's, well, we're going to talk with him in just a minute. Um, and so, But we're going to talk about um, college students. So many of you know I work at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I'm the dean, one of the deans there at the school. And uh, and fun fact, I next week will be driving my oldest daughter to Toronto and uh, to drop her off at the University of Toronto. We'll be enrolling in her elite vocal performance master's degree program in opera. Did I did I work in the elite part because it's my daughter? I'm always getting she's amazing. And I don't even like opera unless she's singing it. And then it's the best thing ever. Taking my Young, my middle, my middle on a road trip. So I'm driving from Chicago, Moody Radio, our headquarters in Chicago. I live in the Moody, Chicagoland area. So I'm going to drive my oldest to Toronto, 10-foot U-Haul truck, right? Then drive it back. I get one day of rest. And then, are you ready for this? I'm going to get in my daughter's Honda Civic. I am not a Honda Civic-sized individual. And we are going to drive from Chicago to Southern California. She's going to be attending Cal Baptist. And so I'm driving six days, five or six hours a day on a road trip. And I just wanted to say that I'm committed to college and graduate students, professor, parent, and more. And if you want to talk about college students today, there's not a lot of experts out there. There's not a lot of people who are engaging students like our guest is today. Tom Lynn is the eighth president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. He served with InterVarsity, planting new student chapters at 
Harvard and Boston University. He helped establish an evangelical student movement in Mongolia, no less, and serves as the director for the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. Probably will kind of explain what that IFES is throughout the course of the show in Mongolia. He's got a BA in economics from Harvard, holds an MA in global leadership from Fuller. And Tom, we are so glad to have you on the program today. Thanks, Ed. Good to be with you. Awesome, awesome. Of course, and I wanted you to commiserate with me that I'm, just for the record, that over the next two weeks, I'll be in the car nine days with delivering some daughter that I love in a Honda Civic to colleges and universities. So this is like, for you, though, this is like the Super Bowl. This is like the World Series. Everyone's bringing their kids to school. Well, they tell me I'm not supposed to say kids at Wheaton College, and so, so, but this is like the big thing for you is got to be an exciting time. Everyone coming back, InterVarsity's geared up, I'm guessing, ready to go. That's right. It's, uh, it is an exciting time. You're a great father. Good job, Dad. Uh, I actually <laughs> am one year away from what you're doing. I'm going on college visits because I've got a rising senior in high school. So I'll be where you're at in, in a year. Um, this time of year is it's so exciting. We call it our finest hour. You know, we hope it's our finest hour. These first two weeks of school especially are so key in connecting with students and welcoming students and serving students. So, yeah, it's it's very exciting. Yeah, and I know, wow, we're going to get to so much right now because the – you know, uh, my daughter going to Toronto is non-masking so far. I think in California they haven't announced anything yet, but we're kind of assuming it's California. You know, so everyone's debating into masking and non-masking and a hundred different things. And it's boy, it's just it's a tough time to be a college student. And we're going to talk lots about that. We got we've got the full hour with uh, with Tom Lynn. Um, maybe you're going to have questions. I'm going to early on tell you our phone number. It's 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. But I think one of the more fascinating things is you have um, did a study on Gen Z, which I think we need to probably describe and define. I'm guessing that you and I are both Gen X, the generation nobody talks about and I'm a little bitter about. But we're going to talk about Gen Z. Um, and you found, for example, half students reported their mental and emotional health has been negatively impacted as a result of the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about the study, and then let's talk about what are we going to see with students heading back to campus this fall. Uh, yeah, great question. I, we, we did a study on a, by th- about 127 campuses across the country just to see how these Gen Z college students were doing uh, through the pandemic and certainly right now as they re-enter, come back to campuses, because there's a lot of speculation out there. There's a lot of, you know, other types of data saying how people are doing. We wanted to see for ourselves and ask students directly, you know, what are they thinking? How are they feeling? So uh, so that's why we did this study. We want to be equipped well, uh, you know, to do the ministry that we want to do. We want to know how they're coming in. And I think, uh, you know, what we did find was, yeah, half of the students were negatively impacted in their, their mental health uh, throughout the year. Uh, 71% attributed to isolation and lack of community as most impacting their mental health. Uh, so in many ways, as you know, as they head back to campus, they're looking for community, uh, connections, relationships. In some ways, that's always been true for college students, but I think there's greater urgency and greater importance this year. So 
So as a campus ministry, perhaps more than ever before, we're focused on creating these Christian communities, these fellowship opportunities for students. That's what we're really looking forward to this fall. Yeah, and I, I love the passion and the longevity of ministry. University has been seeking to reach students for the gospel for a very long time. And and I know that, you know, you guys have doubled down recently on your evangelistic commitment and more. And tell us why reaching college students is such an opportune moment as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it has been uh, strategic opportune since we started in the 1940s and, and other campus movements, student movements have started, you know, in the 1900s and, and continuing to today. Uh, so uh, I think it's strategic and opportune because, I mean, when kids go to college, when your daughter, when our children go to college, uh, for the first time often, they're making faith decisions and other decisions about life, their values, their mission and purpose for the first time on their own. So it's such a strategic time to help shape who they'll become. Uh, you know, they're making their faith for their own for the first time. And these are for those with the faith background. Right, so, right. of course, on the other end, you have a generation of students more than ever before who are non-religious, not affiliated with any faith at all, coming in, and many who have never heard the gospel before. So, again, an opportune time. If they stayed home, perhaps in their home environments, maybe they would have had little access, little opportunity now suddenly they're on their own on a college campus, and actually those first few weeks of the year, we have found it to be critically important for us to proclaim the gospel and for students to hear it, because those first few weeks set the trajectory often of their first year and perhaps their years at college. So, uh, so strategic, they make these kind of life-transforming choices as young adults when they're on their own for the first time, and so that's why it's so important. and with this generation, even more important. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, we're actually, you know, Moody Radio, which this show is on Moody Radio Partners and Affiliates, different networks across the country, but it originates and is on all our Moody Radio stations. And we're actually owned by Moody Bible Institute, you know, which is a long heritage and history of training people for for ministry, multiple venues and avenues as well. Um, when I think of InterVarsity, I think more of a state school. You know, I think more of um, of a secular context. You know, I'm at I'm at Wheaton College. We have university, you know, connections, obviously, and we want your child, by the way, to come to Wheaton College. Did I mention that? Anyway, um, but <laughs> when we, <laughs> I keep saying child because remember, we're not supposed to say kids. You're saying kids. We're not supposed to say kids. I literally got a memo about this. I'm not supposed to call the students at Wheaton College kids. The students is what I'm supposed to call them. But it seems that um, you know, I'm thankful for what God's doing at Christian college campuses like like Moody and Wheaton. But it seems like it's getting more and more secular, and people are getting more. They're starting at a different starting place when it comes to openness in the gospel on um, state schools and more. Is that true? False? Tell, help me to understand a little bit the, what the new student looks like in twenty twenty one. Yeah, certainly. I think that there's uh, with each generation, certainly there's a new starting place. They're shaped differently, as you know, by significant events in our society. They're shaped by increasingly technology, and they're shaped by their upbringing. And so this generation is slightly different in each of those regards, right? So technology, exposure to social media, the world outside, they could be 
you know, very enclosed in a home environment, yet be so aware of everything going on around the world, unlike previous generations. Uh, they're influenced by what's going on in our wider culture. So as much as parents would like to protect their kids, students coming in um, have experienced or felt the, the polarization in our society, the challenging issues in our society. And then their faith upbringing is slightly different as well. So, you know, all, all things point to uh, increasing numbers of these students who go to these secular, these state type of schools um, with less and less faith background. And so their, their starting place certainly is as we look at just the sheer mass of students, we're seeing so many more students with absolutely no Christian or no religious background. Some would say that that starting place, they might be sad about that. In some ways, there's some positives. We see people who've never heard the gospel before, and they're actually overjoyed to hear it for the first time, or it's new, it's exciting, it's interesting. Uh, there's something about it that strikes them that because they've never heard it before, whereas, as we all know, some that have come from somewhat church backgrounds who have left kind of feel like they know it all, and there's a jadedness or a you know, sort of a, a different kind of challenge when it comes to reaching those folks. So, so the starting place is a little bit different, but um, as I said earlier, you know, each of the things about why it's so strategic to reach them is the same. They're still making adult decisions for the first times in their lives. They're independent for the first time. They're still trying to struggle and figure out what their lives are about. Yeah. We're listening to Tom Lynn. We're going to continue our conversation with Tom in just a second. Also taking your calls. Maybe you got a student going off to college. Maybe you got a question about engaging college students for the gospel and more. Our number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. We're talking to Tom Lynn. By the way, the survey he mentioned, you can go to edstetzerlive.com. See it there. We'll share more with Tom. 877-548-3675 and your calls. Hey, we're back, and you're listening to Ed Stetzer Live. We're talking about college students. I see calls already coming in to talk. I mean, everyone wants to talk about college students. I think it's an important conversation to have. And we're talking to Tom Lynn of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. They actually have a new survey, a Gen Z survey, assessing Christian students' viewpoints uh, and uh, kind of where people are, even as they're coming in. So we're talking some about that survey. Uh, Tom has um, just been a leader in InterVarsity for a long time. He's well-respected. We served together on a couple of boards, uh, and he's just continuing to do significant good work, and we're very thankful for the work of uh, of, of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about the survey, and then we'll go to some calls. People are already calling in. Let me, again, give you the number. You want to talk, maybe you got a college student headed off to college. Maybe you want to ask about how best to launch that student. You know, all these things are complex times. Again, as, as literally somebody who's in the middle of this, right? But 877-548-3675 is our number. So, Tom, a little more about the survey. Um, the, you know, what were, the student, what were the issues that most impacted students' mental health uh, during the pandemic? Did you see some things that were more prominent than others? Well, I think, as I said, the, the number one issue, certainly, and 71% responded with it, is Isolation, lack of community, you know, lack of social interactions, for sure exacerbated by COVID. Uh, so this year was very difficult from that regard. Now, you know, we've also heard uh, through a variety of our networks, because we work with so many students, 
it, it was a tough year overall. A lot of uh, challenges in our society, the political polarization, the vitriol, the racial injustice. Certainly, there are a lot of surrounding issues as well, but isolation, lack of community were definitely at the top. Okay. And so, um, you know, a lot of people express anxiety as well. Still a lot of uncertainty now with the variants, you know, circulating. We've seen Delta and the conversation uh, all over the place. You know, just in our, our school district in Chicagoland area, just announced that my, my youngest daughter is a high schooler. They're masking up. Um, people are upset about that. That's creating anxiety. You know, seeing some of these parents yelling outside of school board meetings, um, and I get that people feel strongly about this. I also get that they have kids, and those kids are walking through this as well. So how does a church and the ministry like university, how does it help manage some of this anxiety? Yeah, great question. We're, we're all asking that question about how do we help the anxiety of students. It's a huge need, uh, not just in our churches, but literally on campuses. Campus mental health services are completely overwhelmed these days. I mean, they don't have enough capacity to even serve the students. So it is a big need. Uh, a couple of things come to mind. I would say one way is what I just shared about kind of creating these communities. We call them witnessing communities, uh, you know, with the isolation and loneliness. Uh, the church can create spaces for connection. I think that's one great way to serve and sort of lower anxiety levels, creating spaces for connection. I think there was a survey that was this past year, nine out of 10 Gen Zers reported that they have not been contacted by a religious leader during the pandemic. I mean, so so these the importance of connections, I can't emphasize enough. Uh, I think another thing we can do related to minimizing anxiety or helping it serve it um, would be what, what I'm sharing with my staff around the country around cross-cultural preparation or re-entry preparation. So uh, it's important for us to remember that the pandemic affected students in different ways. I mean, so, you know, as I mentioned, half uh, negatively in terms of mental health. But certainly if you're a freshman, a first-year college student last year, it's very different than a third-year college student who already had college relationships. So, so freshmen were suddenly on campus, isolated. It's very unique freshman year, you're not meeting new students, not getting acclimated to their new campus as it normally is. Um, some students lost loved ones. I think our survey showed 15% of those we surveyed. Some didn't know anyone who died at all. So uh, they're coming from different regions, different cultures. So how do we as a church engage different pe people who have different experiences, different um, levels of anxiety, different sources of anxiety? And, and this is where we put on our good cross-cultural skills, asking good questions, understanding that um, you know, one group may be different than another. And so when we engage, we engage appropriately, um, kind of using cross-cultural skills. Fascinating. I'm, I'm actually here in Erie, Pennsylvania, at the Grace Leadership Institute. It's a thing that Grace Church is starting in downtown Erie, I guess, the inaugural event. And we were talking about 2020 and 2021 has not just been about a pandemic. It's been about a lot of social, cultural issues. It's uh, You've mentioned the political divide, uh, social media weaponization, um, racial injustice and debates around that and more. Um, so I imagine, I mean, everyone else is having these conversations. I imagine at a higher level, perhaps, uh, these young adult students are having these conversations. What are the big social issues that students are caring about in your survey? Yeah, great question. I'd say that the top Three social issues that came about in our survey, racial injustice. Uh, so caring about racial justice is 
it was by far number one, significant. 39% wrote about that in terms of their top three. Uh, climate change and then uh, foster care, orphan care, adoption, sort of that category. Those are the top three. But what was really interesting as well is I would say number four and five were just three percentage points below behind that. Reducing abortion and religious tolerance or religious freedom were uh, rounding out the top five. So overall, just I, I think it was clear and is clear this generation is concerned about not just loving God, but loving their neighbors. And I think there's a lot to be encouraged by that. Okay, now now that list tells me that these are Christian students. I don't know if we clarified that at the beginning. These are incoming Christian students? That's right, yeah, they're Christian. These, these, these in the survey are particularly Christian students on the secular, 127 secular campuses. Yeah, yeah, makes, makes sense, makes sense. So, because right. so, um, a lot of times people are unsure how to address some of these issues— uh, pastors in older churches, uh, if I speak up on these things, people will be mad at me. Matter of fact, people are keeping a list right now. In the last 18 months, if you mentioned the murder of George Floyd, but you didn't mention the summer riots, people mentioned that. If you mentioned January 6th riot, but didn't mention the summer riots, people mentioned that. I mean, everyone, they're keeping lists, they're keeping count. Yet, um, a lot of pastors, a lot of people listening, their churches just kind of kept their head down and said, well, let's not mention any of these things. Is that something you can do with? I mean, I guess I'm. It's kind of a loaded question because my experience is that's not something you can do with 19 year olds. So, how do you lead in these conversations and point people to to the scriptures, to Christ, while still having those conversations that maybe you can avoid in local churches, but maybe can't in a student ministry? Yeah, great question. You, I, I agree. You you cannot avoid these issues. I think uh, what I often think of both in our campus ministry, but in the church today as well is that, you know, if if you're going to teach on something significant, you will offend someone, someone will be upset, or you can choose to teach nothing at all. And I think uh, we're about teaching students. We're about uh, engaging students in the scriptures and helping them understand truth and apply it and live it out in their lives. So, um, so we do have to. Um, I would say in terms of, you know, how we would go about it, um, I think it's important for us to help students understand these social issues through a biblical lens, through scripture. And in fact, our survey showed that students want that, which was very encouraging, that, that they, they want to understand what scripture says about these social issues that they care about. So, you know, as we know, issues of racial justice are being talked a lot about in the media, in our country, in the academy, you know, their university is talking about it, but not through the lens of scripture. Right. The way that we often hear about it in our society is not through the lens of Scripture. And so this is why for InterVarsity, you know, we put Scripture at the core of our ministry because we, we need to work with students and serve students by helping them see it through the lens of Scripture. Uh, and then I think another thing I'll mention is for some of these difficult issues such as racial justice, I think that the church and, and we as a campus ministry can help by creating spaces for cross-cultural dialogue, cross-cultural fellowship and connection. Because there are so many different views, because kind of we're, we're all diverse, um, we need to create these kind of spaces. Otherwise, you know, all of us won't grow in this. And so how do we create spaces for this kind of cross-cultural dialogue? Um, I've been using uh, three L's to, to lead folks. Uh, lament learn and lead in this season. Lament, learn, and lead. I think we need to stop and lament 
together and, 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 you know, in our differences, there have been challenging things. If it's not for my particular group of friends or community, I know other communities have been hurting. So how do we lament together? And then learning. There's just so much to learn. Um, there's a lot of these issues that I don't know a lot about, and, and I want to make a concerted effort to actually try to learn about these issues. And then there is a leadership needed, so especially for the church to lead as People are looking for direction. They're wondering what to do next. They could follow their, you know, secular social media uh, friend, but uh, I would rather have the church or ministry step up and lead. Um, so I think lament, learn, and lead have been key in this season as we navigate these tricky issues. Yeah, and I want to kind of drill in a little more on that, but let me also to invite our audience, 877-548-3675. We're talking about... Uh, college students. Tom leads InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. Uh, we're talking about, you know, they're coming and having conversations about social issues and feeling, you know, people are, you know, marginalized or misunderstood and how do we speak up for justice and more. And they're also coming in, as Tom mentioned at the beginning, uh, you could listen at edstetzerlive.com if you didn't hear at the beginning. Uh, they're coming in like reestablishing or maybe establishing a first time a faith of their own. And maybe that's your journey. Maybe that's the season you're in. You can call us at 877. You want to discuss, ask questions with Tom, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. Um, because there is, I mean, today, you know, particularly um, just um, young adults are trying to figure out how do we navigate through these cultural issues that can become uh, and have become very uh, divisive for people. They've become divisive in churches. Uh, I talk about, I just talked to, I just did a session this morning here at the Yuri Leadership Institute about the great sort where people are being discipled by their cable news choices, spiritually shaped by their social media feed. And the end result is they want their church to align ideologically with what they're seeing maybe on cable news. And yet there's a generational divide here as well. Again, we're going to uh, kind of take a quick break and then come back on the other side of the break and continue this conversation with Tom. But I want to invite you to the conversation because you're too dealing with some of that cross-generational when people are thinking differently as 18-year-olds than, than they're thinking as uh, maybe us Gen Xers, Tom. Uh, our number is 877. And Tom, when we come back, you got to confirm that you're a Gen Xer or not. But it's 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. I want to invite you into the conversation. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. The research we're talking about you can find at edstetzerlive.com. Uh, it links right over to university.org and more information there. Looking for your calls. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer, and glad to be here this and every Saturday with you. Our guest today is Tom Lynn. Tom Lynn leads InterVarsity USA, uh, and uh, we've known each other a few years, so thankful for the ministry that they're doing there at InterVarsity. And this is the big week for them, well, weeks for them, because it staggers when people come back to school. Um, but he's the eighth president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. He's doing great work. They're doing great work. I'm deeply thankful for the good work that they are doing. And so we were talking some about some of the research 
that um, kind of they're walking through and and how best we could understand the next generation. I think we got some calls that are coming in, so um, we'll uh, we'll take some questions as well. Let me let me just again mention to you the number if you want to jump on the line. It's eight seven seven. Five four eight three six seven five eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. So let's go to the calls. Uh, first, we'll go to let's see here. Um, let's go to Rod in way up there in Montana. Rod, you're live on the air. What's your question or comment? Uh, I don't really have a question. I I heard you ask uh, to, for us to make comments concerning what we why we thought the Gen X people think the way they do about the most important things being climate change and racial problems. And I okay, believe great. Go ahead. Go ahead. because did you hear me? Yes, I, I can. Go talking. ahead. It's, 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 okay. I said, good. Great. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. The reason being is because they've been taught uh, in the secular system the public school system, it's all permeated, clear through everything that comes to comes out of the federal system since the 50s, uh, yeah. that that's the important things. I mean, they have they set the agenda. Consequently, uh, if you go to private schools, it's a little better. And that's what was my experience. And I went to a, a public school in California in 1952 and then to a private school for the next all but a year and a half, and it changed my life, and I just wouldn't make a good socialist, and that's what <laughs> the intention is in the, yeah, and so, you know, be clear about it, guys. I mean, you got to okay. talk about current events. Because oh, we're definitely important. talking about current events here, Rob. We're definitely talking about that. Hey, thank you so much for your call. Super helpful. Um, and so, so, I mean, kind of when we look at where we're at, people are coming in. Tom, um, and they're coming into a context where people are shaped, their context, you know, where, where people are being educated. One of the things that people are talking about more than they ever talked before is some of these social issues. I mean, these are Christian college students. They're talking about social issues. Um, where do we take them for the answers in these kinds of conversations? Well, I think, again, I think we need to take them to Scripture. I, I appreciated what the gentleman said about um, where kind of these issues often surface. And I think we need to take students through how these issues surface in Scripture. So what does Scripture say about reconciliation? What does Scripture say about caring for the widow, the orphan? Uh, I think, um, so how do we understand the current needs of our society? We, we want our as, as uh, some would say, right, the Bible in one hand, the newspaper in the other. We want people to know what's going on in their communities, local or global even, and to be able to engage, but to engage through the lens of Scripture. How does Scripture teach us how we ought to live? I think that at the end of the day, that's what we need to do. And as I mentioned before, creating spaces where that dialogue can happen, where we can learn together from different perspectives. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that university has really become known for, you've kind of led in many ways is, you know, kind of that cross, you've used the term cross-cultural, that cross-cultural approach to leadership. Because what we find is, is that people who love Jesus, who are committed to the scriptures, who come from different cultural, racial, or ethnic backgrounds, seem to sometimes have different views on the best way to do those things. So how has InterVarsity navigated becoming a more multicultural context? 
Yeah, it's it's taken a long time. I mean, I would say uh, to to be where we're at, uh, we we are um, I think in in many ways privileged to reflect the very mission field that we're trying to reach, a diverse mission field. More than half of our university students in our chapters are students of color. More than half of our executive leadership team and our board are people of color. Uh, so we know that kind of this, these healthy, diverse relationships, cross-cultural relationships, are so important for the ministry we do and, you know, campus communities. Um, I, I think this year, like for many in the days we're in, it, it's still not easy. You know, we're, we're diverse and there are a lot of issues that are affecting a lot of different communities. And again, I think one thing we've learned over the years is to have those spaces for cross-cultural dialogue, to, to learn how to be in each other's shoes, to lament together. And I would say, you know, as, as I know you've heard often, it's it not just interpersonally, so that's important, but even to look at the systems and structures that um, are in our ministries, you know, that are on our campuses, and how in many ways uh, those also, you know, may need some work. We may need to look at that if we truly want to be a ministry that reaches everyone and is discipling everyone. We may need to look at some of the systems and structures as well as our interpersonal relationships. Yeah, and I think I think that's harder for some people because systems and structures are something we don't talk about uh, as as much. But let's go back to the calls. Let's go to Rochelle in uh, Rickton Park, Illinois, listening on WMBI. Rochelle, you are live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hello, I have um, maybe a question and a comment. I am a okay, parent ahead. of different generations. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go can ahead. you hear me? Okay. Yes, I am ahead. a parent of different generations. I have children from uh, 16 years old in the high school to a son that's 31 years old. How do we help our children model the appropriate um, communication around, um, you know, race where it doesn't become a third will? Um, I see politics even in the churches where I feel like my children, um, they have more diversity. And when certain things happened a year ago, there was more positive conversation. But I feel like their white friends and counterparts have gotten kind of weary with with it, and like you say, with certain, how can you learn if black and brown people are not able to express themselves in a way that doesn't offend some of their white counterparts, you know, because it's just starting to feel like black church, white church, and my children are, some of them are young in the Lord, and it's just, it's really, uh, and it's not a good place to be. I just don't feel the love and the healing and if heaven is not going to be segregated and just, you know, feel like we're not doing a good job as far as helping our children, you know, model the appropriate communication behaviors as far as leadership, parents, grandparents, you know, if that's making any sense. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to oh, ramble. That's, but this Rochelle, that's I'm making a lot of saying. sense. Yeah. No, I think so. I think so. And I think it's great. Let's have Tom weigh in. Thank you for your call, Rochelle. Tom, I mean, you know, person mm -hmm. of color— you know, black and brown, um, you know, a year ago after the murder of George Floyd, a lot of people felt that uh, that there was a conversation that was, uh, you know, maybe starting that was a better conversation than before. Uh, then there was, you know, backlash in that and controversy around that. And some people took it, f you know, further than others preferred to. Uh, and so, I mean, you hear Rochelle's concern. How how do you, and this is not a concern that you get to av avoid because this is this is life among young adults. So, 
How do you walk through that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I would say, and, and I hear it all the time, What one way to put what she just shared into words, too, I've seen is weariness. There's weariness. And I would say both on behalf of uh, white students that we see who have been really trying, really trying over the past year to, to learn, to engage, to understand, but there's weariness. And then for black and brown communities, Asian communities, Native communities, uh, there's tiredness too. There's weariness, like tired of explaining, tired of talking. And, um, you know, one of the things we noticed is racial trauma uh, increasing over the past year, not unsurprisingly. And there's, there's um, all to say, there, there is some amount of healing uh, needed and, and recognition of weariness. And so to that regard, I would say, first, we need to be patient. This is a long haul issue. We're going to kind of engage in over many years. So uh, we need to be aware of that and, and the healing that's needed for many before they're able to continue to engage again. Uh, and then I think the other thing I would say is there's a need for both types of spaces. So I certainly hear the frustration of the caller in terms of, you know, why can't we engage more cross-culturally? I want my black or brown daughter or son to engage with their white friends more and why can't we see more of that happening um, so i think certainly we need those spaces to happen but we would say there's also something about in this season for black students to gather together and we we had during um, the pandemic you know these uh, black student bible studies on zoom uh, but hundreds and hundreds of black students around the country a safe space for black students to be together around scripture to be together and praying together, there's something powerful about that and very healing f about that. And it's not saying that we want uh, a certain group to segregate forever or anything like that, but there's a need for those kinds of spaces as well as multi-ethnic spaces, you know, where different uh, ethnic groups are together. And that's what I think we've seen uh, that's really important for ministry to, to flourish and be effective. We're talking to Tom Lynn. Tom Lynn leads InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. They've got some new research out. You can go to edstetzerlive.com. We link right to it there. And we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with your calls, 877-548-3675. This will be our final segment, 877-548-3675. I don't think you want to miss it. We've got some good questions coming up, good calls coming up, and more. Again, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live in our final segment, having a super helpful conversation uh, with Tom Lynn, who leads InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Tom, one of the things I want to come right back to, and then we'll go to our calls. So how can the church help in building healthy relationships and, you know, and, and really engage on um, some of the issues of racial, racial issues and more that we're seeing in our communities? And certainly people are having conversations about, according to your research, having conversations about among young adult Christians as well. Yeah, well, the churches, again, what, what can they do? I think um, uh, first, I'd say d don't waste this moment. I mean, this is a significant moment uh, that we're in right now, coming out of pandemic, coming out of racial injustice, huge opportunity to be first responders. I mean, students are uh, in need. They're, they're hurting. So it's a great opportunity for the church to come and engage, serve, heal, provide these spaces that we've been talking about. Um, they're hungry for community. 
I think they're also hungry for hope. I mean, students are tired, too. We all talk about our, our country, our society is tired. Students are weary of some of these racial challenges and, and other challenges we see. They're hungry for hope, and I think ministries really need to um, share the hope of Christ in the midst of this. There's just uh, a need. There's so much hopelessness out there. We need to show, share the hope of Christ in the midst of these these challenges. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's take some calls. Let me just say to our callers, we're going to try to get in a few calls, but we need to kind of go relatively quickly. Let's quickly. Excuse me. Let's go first to William in Dayton, Ohio. You're live on the air, William. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, quick question. You partially answered it before about uh, dealing with our I've got two eighteen-year-old uh, and twenty-year-old daughters. Uh, they're believers, but I know they're influenced by their phones and they. They say they get both sides of the story, but it tends to be more liberal because of their information. Where can I point them to something more objective to get the news rather than the polarizing, you know, the left and right? And then, and then how can I engage without alienating them um, right off? Yeah, great question. Tom, go ahead. Yeah, I, I find uh, that that's a tough one. I probably won't comment on where to get your news sources. Uh, I think there's probably ways to find that out, a balance. Uh, actually, I think a better solution is to get them offline, to get them engaged with real people who have real problems in our communities in a diverse set at that as well. So I encourage them to have actually real, in-person, meaningful, cross-cultural relationships. That will probably do much better than simply trying to work on the source of their newsfeed. Although certainly you're wise in understanding how that works because um, those algorithms and, and things do influence the type of news they get in. But in-person, real relationships, I would focus the time on. Yeah, I think a lot of people watching The Social Dilemma and hopefully seeing that social media is not the best place to get uh, some of these things. Let's go to Marvin in Gray's Lake. Uh, Marvin, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm a uh, retired community college faculty member, and I'd like to know what uh, InterVarsity does with uh, such institutions. And also to ask about uh, how Christian faculty at secular institutions can help organizations like uh, InterVarsity in uh, fulfilling their mission. Marvin, thanks for the call. How's that, Tom, for a served-up question for you? Tell us the, the, what, what university does in those settings. <laughs> oh, great question. Uh, Ed's aware of this. He's written about this, too, for us. Uh, we, we have a 2030 vision, actually. It's called the 2030 Calling, which is to reach every, to see every campus in the country reach with the gospel. And community colleges is certainly one of the largest segments of colleges in the country that do not currently have any Christian community, organized Christian community on campus. And so uh, there is significant work being done here. I'd point you to everycampus.com is a site where we track all the campuses in the country and where there's a movement, where there's a gospel movement or Christian community on and where there isn't. Um, We've been investing actually quite a bit the last couple of years on reaching these community colleges. It is a different kind of ministry and challenging, as as the caller probably knows. Uh, but I think we're equipped. I mean, they're diverse. They tend to be more diverse, and so is our ministry, and uh, we believe is important. So a lot of stuff going on there. I could share stories. It's just very exciting. People come into faith on these community college campuses. For faculty, 
yes, we would love for Christian faculty at secular campuses to be involved. And uh, we do have a faculty ministry on our website, on InterVarsity.org, ways for faculty to be involved. We have faculty fellowships, fellowships that are geared just for Christian faculty to gather together. There's one in Boston, some great schools in Boston, where the Christian faculty gather together every month for fellowship together. And then during the pandemic, we actually had a good number of Zoom ministry type of opportunities for Christian faculty to not just serve undergraduate students, but actually to minister to each other and to challenge each other. So a lot of good work being done in that area. But I would invite you and other faculty to get definitely get involved. Dude, I think I think Marvin's a friend of yours. I, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but that was an easy, <laughs> an easy layup for you to kind of. <laughs> exactly. That was awesome, Marvin. Thank you so much for your call. Let's get Marie in Florida. And Marie, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I would just like to encourage you guys to just, you know, continue to do what you do on the campuses. And um, I know for sure when I started living on campus and I found InterFacity Christian Fellowship, it was so great for me because I needed to be with Christians. I wanted to still, you know, believe in my faith. And I found others that believe in Jesus just as I did and were Christians. And we were, you know, even though I was the only girl of color, I'm from Jamaica, it was great for me. And then when my daughter went to Yale, I told her, stay with the Christians, and she did. And it was great. Um, now I'm donating to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship um, every month, and it's just wonderful. You guys keep up the good work. It's good for us Christians who leave home and we're on campus and we're like, where do I go from here? And InterVarsity Christian Fellowship is there. We can be with Christians. Oh, I love it. Marie, you are a blessing. What a blow to great call, Tom, as we kind of come to the conclusion of our program. Marie, thank you for your call. And I mean, she's just affirming the great work that you do. I, I do, I mean, Tom, do you look to the fall and do you look to the future uh, with students, Gen Z, is this daunting? Is it encouraging? Is it discouraging? Are you hopeful for revival? I mean, what can we do, and and what do you look for in the future as we look to engaging this next generation? Yeah, I think uh, I'm hopeful for sure. I, you know, the the college campus, the university has always been a mission field, right? It is a mission field that we love. We we uh, we prepare students for it when they're when they're there. We we serve them. We come alongside them. Uh, we, we believe they themselves, the Lord wants to meet them. The Lord is at work active on college campuses around the country. Uh, and they're to be a witness during their time on those things have not changed. And I, I'm still hopeful that God will continue to work in this generation of students and through this generation of students. And you, you mentioned the word revival. Certainly we believe there's potential for revival on college campuses um, there's a need for it, and we're praying for it. We are literally longing for revival on, as I mentioned about our vision to see a gospel movement on every campus, we're, we're praying for revival on every campus in the country. And we see signs of it from time to time, and we're hopeful. And that's really the posture we have. We're, we're not negative about the college, we're very hopeful and believe that God is at work and will be at work. 
Thank you, Tom Lynn, for joining us. So appreciative of you being on the program, praying for you in InterVarsity. Let me thank the behind-the-scenes team at Moody Radio. Trish McMillan sitting in today for my producer, Karen Hendren, my engineer, Courtney Young, and we got Gabby Turku on the phones as well. Tune in next week. I'm going to talk to Fuller Institute's Kara Powell, Fuller Youth Institute, about how to make the most of the conversations you have with the teenagers in your life. If you hear today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or in the Moody Radio app. You can always connect through social media, all at Ed Stetzer Live, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening.